Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, church. I'm focusing on Go as well, which is just one of those coincidences that happened in church. Um, so you'll see it there on that, on that first slide towards Christ. Once you've gone through that pathway, the last thing you have to do, as Ross says, is leave the church. No, you don't. <laughs> That means you've taken it all in, and then you get to take it out. Now, back in ancient times, if your city was being approached by an invading army, you would send your army out, and you'd want to engage with them quite a distance from the city, just to protect the city. But the problem there is, once you've won, you've got the great victory, they don't know about it in the city. They're still panicking back there. And so what you would do is you would send someone who looks like me, running back to the city as fast as they can, taking the good news of a great victory back to the people in the cities so that they would um, understand that they're, they're no longer in danger. The name of the runner was, in Greek, Evangelon, and the name of the message, the good news of a great victory, was the Evangel. And the whole process is known, as you would guess, evangelism. And so the Christian community took on this military metaphor because we basically do the same thing. That's our role, to take the news of the victory of the gospel of what Jesus achieved on the cross for us back to the people who don't know about it yet. So the title of this message, I've called it Go, Go, Unless You Get a No. Because it's plain in scripture that that's what we're called to do, to take this message out. If you were working for HMRI and you had the cure for cancer, you'd want to take the message out, wouldn't you? It'd be selfish to hold on to it. This is the cure for eternal life with God. And why wouldn't we want to take that message? That's the core of what we do. In the past, when people have got up to speak about evangelism, I've sort of shrunk in my seat a little bit, to be honest. Uh, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not called to do that. Bit of an introvert, I get nervous. I don't want to be rejected, talk to strangers. And basically what I was saying was, I really don't know how to do this. And I've been a school teacher for 25 years and I've spoken in chapel services and spoken to kids one-on-one, but to go out into the community and speak to strangers, it was easy just to say, it's not me. And then... I married Annette back in 2012, and her dad is a full-on evangelist. At the age of 19, he went to Papua New Guinea to to teach and to evangelise, only white person in the community. And in the year, I think 2001, he started to evangelise every day. So he'd go out to Jesmond Shopping Centre or Walls End Shopping Centre, or he'd go door-to-door somewhere. And he'd do that every day, 365 days a year, He's done that for nearly 20 years. And I, I said to him, I pushed all my fears aside and I said, just show me how to do it. Just show me how to do it. And I think my head at the time was thinking, I just want to tick the box off. But I got hooked. I absolutely love taking the message out to strangers that I've, I've never seen before. And those days when I'm thinking of myself and I'm maybe anxious or I've got deadlines coming up. That is the best medicine of all. 
It takes my mind off me. It puts it on somebody else. I'm other-focused. I'm kingdom-focused. And instead of having the phrase, the Hanum five-day plan, I have the eternal focus. They are the absolute best days. It has increased my faith. And when I see the light coming on in people's eyes as the Holy Spirit engages with them, it's just made my faith bulletproof. I can recommend it for every stage of your life, wherever you're at. I'm certainly not called to be a full-time evangelist, but we're all called to do this to some extent. So today I'm just going to share some scriptures, and I, I want to suggest some ways that you can sort of start. And next term I'm going to run a course on person-to-person evangelism. So just have a listen. Don't shrink in your seat too much. Everyone nice and straight. And if you're really interested, we can do some, something more about it next year. Heart lock. This to me, I'm a simple person and I'm highly visual. So on the next slide, we've got um, a little lock with a, a key in it. This for me is the simplicity of the gospel message. The human heart is a lock. The only key that will fit it is the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done on the cross. The only one that can insert the key is a Christian. The only one that can turn the key is the Holy Spirit. Human heart is a lock. The only key that will fit is the gospel. The only one that can insert it is a Christian. The only one that can turn it is the Holy Spirit. So wonderful to... The Holy Spirit is fundamental to evangelism. And to me, when when people say, I just don't get God, I I think about it, I just can't comprehend who he is and all the things he says he is and what he's done. I can't intellectualize it. That's because you're not meant to intellectualize God. It doesn't work. It's like trying to catch oxygen with your hands. You're not meant to use your hands, you're meant to use your lungs. And you're not meant to use your head to comprehend God, you're meant to use your spirit. It's all spirit-driven. Right job for the right tool for the right job, as my dad would say. So why should we share the gospel? Number one, I hate this, but anyway. Jesus calls us to lose our lives for him and the gospel. In in Mark 8:35, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. There's two parts for him, for Jesus. And for the message, inward and outward. And he doesn't say, whoever loses their life for me and a really good prayer ministry, or for me and a good healing ministry, it's me and the gospel. That is the core. Strangely, I love this verse, not strangely, this verse in Philemon, verse 6. To me, this has spoken deeply of why we should evangelize. I pray that you will be active, this is Paul speaking to Philemon, that you will be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. You can backmask that if you read it backwards. Do you want a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ? Yes, I certainly do. Well, here's the list, except there's one, only one thing on the list. Be active in sharing your faith. That sounds a little bit unusual to start with. Why don't they have a good understanding if I'm sharing with them? Well, they'll have an understanding and they might accept Jesus. But for me, unpacking it with somebody 
And I, I'm going to be with Donna talking about some questions tonight. But when you're on the spot and they throw some hairy questions at you about God and the scriptures and you unpack it on the spot and they process it and throw it back at you when you sort of do a toing and froing, itchy, scratchy kind of stuff, that's when you get the deep, rich, full understanding of what Christ has done. And that faith just broadens in you. Number two, Jesus' final words before his ascension were about spreading the gospel. And this is where we get our vision statement. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Now you can imagine, this is the last thing that Jesus is going to say in his ascending. And when you say, the last thing you say has got to be the most important thing because you want to connect with them. So he doesn't, I love playing what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, be good to your mother. Don't forget to stay in your prayer closet. Um, If you start the church, don't forget to have really good coffee so people hang around afterwards. He says, he says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the verse from Max again just reiterates how important that the Holy Spirit is. You will receive power. It's good to know you're going out in power. From the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's what we're called to do. What evangelism isn't, because this is really important, and I've been trapped before, and I've done the wrong thing. And remember when I first became a Christian, I thought, I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to get a cross. And I went to a Catholic um, op shop, and I thought there'll be a highly spiritual person behind the counters as excited as I am about finding Jesus. And uh, I said, I want a cross. I just became a Christian. I want a cross. And she looked at me and said, oh, do you want the one with the little man on it? And and I went, I'm a new Christian, but I, I think he got off, didn't he? Let's leave him off. And I got a bumper sticker that said, my boss is a carpenter. And I thought, I'm evangelizing. It's just a matter of time. Someone will have trouble in their marriage. They'll see the bumper sticker and say, tell me about Jesus. But it didn't didn't happen. There was a little bit more to evangelism. Evangelism is not the winning of souls. Sounds a bit unusual, doesn't it? Winning souls is the fruit of evangelism, but it is not evangelism per se. Evangelism cannot be the winning of souls because in the parable of the sower, Jesus pointed out that three of the four soils in the end were unfruitful. Evangelism occurs when the gospel is communicated to another person irrespective of what the outcome will be in the person's life. Your job, stick the key in. Holy Spirit's job is to turn it. What happens after you communicate is between them and God. Pressure's off. You can go and evangelize and not come back. If no one responds, you won't feel like a, a, a failure, like I've let God down. It means we don't have to turn ourselves into high-pressure salespeople. You know, I've, I've given you the gospel. Um, no, don't think about it overnight. Look, there's a bus coming. What if that bus hits you? You've got to make a decision now. We don't have to be the high-pressure salesman. And we're not going to be tempted to water down the gospel. Jesus is great. Um, you can do whatever you like. We'll, we'll work on that later. Just say yes now. We don't water down the gospel. It's between them and God. We keep it real. Evangelism is not every activity which brings an unchurched person to the point of conversion. 
Things like prayer, fasting, intercession, acts of charity, visitations, Christian counselling, generosity, living a life of integrity, worship, friendship, giving a powerful testimony are all wonderful and absolutely essential. We wouldn't have church if we didn't have those things. But by themselves, they are not evangelism. And the danger of calling them evangelism is that we will not see the need to then go on and proclaim the gospel. They bring people closer to you, they bring people closer to God, but they are not actually the gospel. Number three, I'll just go quickly through this slide. Evangelism is not a process. As you may have guessed, there's a process of drawing closer to God, but evangelism is an event. It is that point where you show someone why they need the gospel. And finally, evangelism is not to be equated with miraculous healing signs and wonders. The important thing is that people come to Jesus. We can heal someone of malaria this year, but they may die of a heart attack the next year. The main focus is on eternity, not on the temporal fixes. Again, so necessary healing ministries and, and all those sorts of things. If you look at Matthew seven twenty-one to 23... Jesus says to some people, I, I don't know you. And they say, hang on a moment. We heal people in your name. We cast out demons in your name. And he says, get away from me, for I didn't know you. I didn't have that relationship. And all the healings and the exorcisms don't mean anything without that connection through the cross with me. So what is evangelism? This is the simplified version and when I'm speaking to somebody on the street or whether I'm going door to door, this is what I focus on. This is the full message. And I think in the past, when I've spoken in chapel services, it's put your hand up if you want to accept Jesus. That's wonderful. Have a bit of a prayer. But it contains these elements. Why we must be saved, how Jesus can save us, what we must do to be saved. The first one is a real stumbling block for some people and I've got some verses up there basically what it comes down to is we're born into sin in the line of Adam in our mother's womb as it says in, in Psalms we are born into sin we're in a sinful state and we've got God who is perfect we'd say holy I use the word perfect out there in the community God is perfect and we're not perfect and to show people we're not perfect, I'll, I'll say something to them like, if I go to work and I'm 10 minutes late, my first response isn't always to rush to the accountant and say, can you dock me 10 minutes? I'm late. Or if I use the phone to, to call my wife um, on you know, company time and company bill, or maybe I've left a pen in my pocket and I get home and I use that for something else. Or, or maybe I, I, I look at someone with anger in my heart. Scripture says you've... You've committed murder. And I can then relate that person. You never say to a person, see, you're in sin. You say, I'm in sin and you're probably with me if you've ever done any of those things. Okay, I guess I'm not perfect. And the other thing that I stumble against is, well, why doesn't God just let me off the hook? He's God, backstage pass, through the curtains, and you go, quick, no one will notice. But justice is a serious thing. And I share with people on the street, if someone you loved, this would be a terrible thing, but if they were 
murdered. And they found the murderer, and they, they took the murderer to court, and you were there, and the judge said, there is no doubt that you have broken the law. Seriously. And you deserve everything that is coming your way. But you know what? I'm a loving judge. I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm going to let you off. How would you feel? Most of the time, the response is, I'd be outraged. Why? Because justice hasn't taken place. And so, but they use that with God. If God's a loving and kind God, why doesn't he just let me off the hook? Because justice has a function. And if I'm in a sinful state, I don't want to God to band-aid the situation. I don't want him sticking an elastoplast on me saying, look, it'll, it'll probably last for a while, please don't get it wet. I want him to deal with my sin once and for all. I needed someone to ditch the evidence so I could be, have a perfect record and be with my perfect God. Jesus washed it all away with his blood. The second aspect, how can Jesus save us? I know this is Theology 101 and you guys get it. I'm just going through this quickly. Out of God's amazing love for us, he did something which we could not do for ourselves. Because of his death and resurrection, we can be legally forgiven by God, set free from the power of sin over our lives and escape God's wrath and receive eternal life. Basically, Jesus came to earth. He lived the perfect life we couldn't lead. And by going to the cross and being God's son, he was able to transfer that perfect record on top of our imperfect record. So the perfect God sees his son when he sees us. We can take on the perfect record that Jesus lived and offered to us. And finally, what must we do in response to what Jesus has done? There's two things. We must turn from our old ways and we turn back to Jesus. And it's an all or nothing. Every single aspect of your life, from finances to marriage to job, giving your life to him completely. C.S. Lewis says, at the end of time, there will only be two groups of people, those who say to God, your will be done, and those to whom God will say, really? That's what you want? You won't accept this? Your will be done. It's one of the saddest statements I, I can imagine. This is how I start when I go door to door. This is my little, um, little template I use. I've modified it over the years. Um, simply I get a, a photocopy of the streets, get a highlighter out, I map the streets as I, I do this. I do this most of the time with um, Annette's dad. So street, house number, whether their home, their name. And my intro is this. Knock, knock. Hi, can you help me, please? That's an Australian thing. People love to help. Just go into services and say, my car needs a push. I've got to jumpstart it. And people will smash you down trying to get out the door. Okay? Or, or go to a neighbour. Can you, can you look after my dog for or do this or that? Australians love the can you help me please because they feel a bit buff if they can. Can you help me please? And what I would do, I would link up with a particular church in an area and I'd feed this information back to them. So I'm, say, I'm doing a two-minute survey on Australian spirituality 
um, and the information goes back to this particular church. These first six questions are the icebreaker, and then you get into proclaiming the gospel once you get through that. So it just sort of softens the relationship. The person wants to help you out. Do you believe there is a God? Who do you think made this world? Have you heard of the word sin? What does the word sin mean to you? Do you believe in life after death? And who do you think Jesus is? And that's my opener. And you get a lot of information about your community um, from going through these questions. The first one sort of make or break a little bit, as you can imagine. Do you believe there is a God? I had one old fellow out at Tanilba Bay, adamant, I don't believe in God, I'm an atheist. Don't believe in that sort of stuff, that's just a, a, a crutch. And I just heard the Holy Spirit, he just kind of nudged me a little bit. And this was when they had all the, the fires up towards Tanilba Bay and up towards Lemon Tree Passage. And the fire had burnt right up to his property line, stopped right on his property line. And I said, man, that got close. And he said, yeah. Someone was looking after me that day. And I went back to the sheet. Do you believe in God? No. And I look back at him. He's got his hands on his hips and he's smiling. Doing that. And I, I just couldn't work it out. The conversations out, out back in the city are, are different from the conversations in here. And often it's just connect the dots for someone. I don't believe in God, but there's a guy in the sky looking after me. That's an easy connection. But that person will never come here. So you've got to go out there. The question about sin is really interesting. Um, last year I met up with um, a single mum and we got to the question of sin and I, and I said, do you understand what sin is? And she said, well, yes. And I thought, what am I looking at? There's some drugs in the house? Is there a Jason Donovan, Kylie Minogue compilation somewhere on a shelf? And she was pointing at her kids. And she said, here's my sin. She could see the bewildered expression on my face. Here's my sin. My, my husband left. Um, I'm a single mum. How could I ever go to church? If I believe all this stuff, how could I go to church? Can you imagine the looks? Can you imagine what people would say under their breath and the pointing and all that and how, what they, how they would treat my children? And I said... No, you're allowed to come to church if you're a single mum. That's when we pin the medal on you and say, well done. But that was her stumbling block, and she won't come. So someone has to go and make that connection for her. Sometimes I'll get through the, the, whole, the six questions, and um, they won't connect, and I'll start talking about my faith. And I have one person say, I've got faith. I've got faith too. A lot of faith. I've got a lot of faith. What's your faith in? Don't know. But there's a lot there. <laughs> and again, connect the dots for them. They're simple things to do, but no one's going. I had a lovely old lady I spoke to, went through this, and, and she loved it. And she said, this is out of Tanilba Bay, and she said, uh, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. It's too far for me. I used to go to Raymond Terrace, Seventh-day Adventist. There's no Seventh-day Adventist church here. I just want to go to church. I just don't know where to start. I don't want to go to the wrong one. They might have the wrong theology, and then I get stuck, and they keep asking me why I'm not coming, and so I, I, I just don't know what to do. Can you just point me towards the church? Nice, easy fix. But again, you have to go. You have to go. Buddhas are very good. It used to 
I used to think this wasn't, wouldn't be good going to a place and there's a Buddha in the front yard. But when you see a Buddha, I've found, and Buddha's kind of always peaceful. He's always happy in the front yard, sitting there, doing whatever he does. What that's usually a sign of is there's someone inside the house that isn't at peace who is going, ah, I've tried everything. I'm taking all the natural pills and the unnatural pills that I can to try and get this anxiety under control. I'm going to Bunnings and getting a calm guy, sticking him in the garden. I'm willing to try anything, anything remotely spiritual. I'll try it. They're, they're usually really, they're seeking. And you have, I have some great conversations with people with funky things in their, in their front garden. I, um, I was at Stockton on Tuesday and I got to Queen Street and every house, one house after another, no religious knockers, no door knockers, no religious knockers. And I thought, this is unusual. And then I got to the house and there it was, the pentagrams all on the windows. Beware the power of witches. Don't mess with this. There's a witch's coven right in the, in the middle of the, the street. That's something we need to know about for our, our prayer, where witches' covens are. And it had shut down the whole street. And there were only two houses where I was able to knock on the doors. And the first one, lovely old woman, and she'd... Um, I could sense this barrier between us. I just couldn't get through. But I, I said, hi, I'm here. I'm just doing a survey on Christian spirituality. Do you have a couple of minutes? And she just came up close to me and said, I'm broken-hearted and I said oh my goodness what what happened he said she said I've lost my, my son died my husband died and I said well I'm here to to talk about Jesus would you like to to hear about Jesus and she came up really close and just whispered in my ear I'm broken-hearted and I said well Jesus came to heal the broken-hearted she looked at me and she said, they both went together, if, if one of them, maybe, but not, not both of them. And she, and she shut the door. And I just knew that that house with the witch's covenant, I knew it had just locked down the street and I just couldn't break through. So we need to pray for people that are getting out there. We need more people to go out. Just on the last slide... If you want more information, I can recommend a book by Julian Batchelor, Evangelism Strategies from Heaven in the War for Souls. And in, in speaking the gospel, there's some interactive presentations you can download. I, I recommend G7, the gospel in seven minutes, to speak to speak to people on the streets. It just gives you a bit of a structure to work through. Let me read this over you. Isaiah 49. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout, lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Let's pray. Father, I know that I'm standing here on the, on the battlefield and nearly everyone in the room knows about the great victory. But this message, this good news 
of the victory of the cross of Calvary and what Jesus has done needs to go back to the city because there's so many people that haven't heard it and they won't leave the city and come to the battlefield they won't leave the city and come to the church so we need to go we need to go and I pray for every heart that's being stirred with a, a passion to take your message out Lord to me evangelism is church is breathing in and evangelism is breathing out those people that are called to breathe out that are called to go would stir that in their hearts and while our eyes are closed if you don't know Jesus I can tell you that I and most of the people here we've, we've been on that battlefield and we can tell you we can bring that message to you you don't need to be in fear you don't need to be a slave to sin anymore. You don't need to fear death. You can have eternal life with God. For there has been a great, a great victory through Jesus Christ. If that's you and you, you haven't received the message of Jesus Christ, just say amen after, after this. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came from heaven to people who were born into sin, who don't have a perfect record, but you lived a perfect life as a human and you made a way that we can have your perfect record so that we can reconnect with the perfect God. Lord Jesus, we give our lives to you. We turn from our former lives and we turn towards you. Every aspect of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.